Hi, I'm half of Milo Sart, and you're listening to the Cashers Corner Podcast. Corner. We're your hosts, Zor and Rex Flipper. And uh, this month we're doing something a little bit different. We are trying a conference call slash dial-in show. So uh, we have a, we're doing this over uh, we're recording right now. So we have a couple of special guests on the uh, line at the moment. So we have Milo's Heart. Hello. And we have Cable Guy. Hey there. And our last guest. So, so far is Heatree. I hope. So, um, we're, we're trying this out for the first time. We've never really done a sort of call-in slash dial-in type of show, so we'll see how this goes. If it doesn't work, we won't do it again. If it works, we might try it again. But seeing as we kind of had two really, really big things happen within the last month, thought it would be kind of nice to get some different people from around. So, uh, welcome uh, welcome to the podcast. And we got some different people. <laughs> So, going through our uh, our little script here, the uh, the typical things. So the the big news of the month. I, I had four little items listed here. So uh, the first one was the fact that Google Maps is supposed to have returned to geocaching.com after having been abandoned, and we actually talked about this like two months ago or however long it was. Um, and I guess that was Tuesday they were supposed to show up. 22nd. Yeah, so I think that was Tuesday, and I think they were live for about half an hour. Did anybody actually get a chance to use them? They're live right now. Are they now? Yep, I was using it this afternoon on my iPad, and I'm looking at it on the screen right now. Well, how about that? Because I know that uh, on Tuesday when they when they put it out, uh, I saw a thing from Paw saying that, oh, there's the Google Maps, and then he said, oh, and now they're gone, and I saw that they had... Uh, They'd actually disabled them, so there was some some issue. So, I guess uh, I guess they're back in business. So Ken here is actually looking at the trying to dig one up right now. Oh, I didn't even know. You I never saw them when they were supposedly on. We'll find out. Yeah, maybe it's just the Apple guys get it. Oh yeah, yeah there. That's yeah. All right, so there you go. So the Google Maps have returned. Are you uh, are you guys happy or sad or do you care about the fact that they were they were gone and they're back? I'm stoked. Very glad. I, I was kind of upset when they disappeared, and turned out I didn't miss them as much as I thought I would. I actually thought that the new maps that they had on were pretty good. I, in particular, I liked the amount of trail detail on the uh, open maps. Okay. Uh, and Google Maps doesn't have that, so uh, I'm still actually going back and forth between the two. Cool. How about you, Gwen? Any uh, any thoughts on Google Maps versus OpenStreetMaps? I missed them initially, but then I just uh, used the Firefox and Grease Monkey um, thing and got them that way. So it was it was a satellite that I missed the satellite view that I missed the most. But uh, okay, it's work. You work around it. Yeah, you find a way to work around. It. I think that's what everybody yeah. else did too. So, so yeah. cool. It's good to see that they're back, and it's good to see that they didn't up the premium membership charge either, because I know there was talk of doing that letting you um, get the maps, but if you would pay a little bit more, but... 
Mm-hmm. I thought they said that they weren't going to be able to do that because uh, it said in the in the rules that you would never pay more than what you had originally paid for your membership. Yeah, I, I read the same thing. They have been very, very adamant about the $30 staying as the standard fee. So, you know, having been around in business for 12 years, that's, it's good that they've been able to retain that. Um, the next little item I had in our uh, list of news, and this is just, I only mentioned this because it's come up a couple of times on other podcasts, was uh, Light Squared. And this is really applied more down in the United States. They were the company that was going to be producing a new 4G cellular network that was going to interfere with GPS signals. It was all over the news and big controversy in government agencies and the FAA and all these different organizations getting uptight about this new, uh, this new 4G network. And as it turns out, they went bankrupt. So all the concerns about GPS being interfered and all that kind of stuff kind of went straight out the window. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's good. That's good for anybody traveling to the U.S. or that is a cashier down in the U.S. Um, point number three, I actually caught this. This was uh, interesting to read. Anybody that's purchased a Garmin GPS unit within the last year or two, I'd say probably the last year, would have noticed that the where I go functionality has been removed from their new GPS units. If you buy like a Garmin Montana, there's no where I go, and the new, what is it, a 62S? The 62S, there's no where I go on it. And Garmin actually said that the reason why they didn't put where I go on it was that GroundSpeak charges a license fee for where I go, and you know they wanted to put it on there, but they, you know, the they licensing terms that GroundSpeak had around the player were not compatible with what they wanted to do. And so, uh, you know, that kind of gives you the reason. But what I found interesting is in the same conversation, Jeremy Irish posted a reply to that. Jeremy Irish is the, uh, the CEO of GroundSpeak, and he said that we offered the player to Garmin for free, saying that. You could have it. You don't need to pay us any royalties, no licensing, no nothing. You're welcome to have it. So it's interesting to see how Garmin's saying one thing about it and GroundSpeak's saying something else. So I guess the, the bad blood between the two companies continues. Is it really wonder, I have to wonder if this means uh, if I do a firmware upgrade on my Garmin, if I'll lose it. I don't think so. I've been continuing to upgrade mine, and the Where I Go player hasn't gone anywhere. I think it's purely new units, so if you buy something brand new, that uh, the player's just not included anymore. The player works great on the iPhone and the Android phones, too. Yeah, it does. Uh, I, I agree with, with Ken there. I actually think it works better on the iPhone than it does on the Garmin itself. Yeah, I, it, it kind of depends, too, on the cartridge, because I know well, I've, I've used both the Garmin and the, uh, the iPhone app, and well, I did yours. Yeah. I did your where I go. <laughs> Every time we do this podcast, the mail goes off. Uh, I've done it. I've done it with both, and uh, yeah, because I want to do your your where I go cache that you have archived, and uh, the only way I could get to the end was with the iPhone one. So that was kind of interesting. Um, the only other piece of news I had, and this is really really minor, was uh, we've installed a new shout box on Cache Up New Brunswick. So uh, Evil C has been hacking away at uh, making some changes, so he took some suggestions from users, uh, incorporated. He basically gutted the old shout box completely and rewrote. I think there's only like 10% of the original code left. Um, but it's a little bit, I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but it's a little bit faster. 
It, uh, it's got the nice little custom smileys. I know people like that. Just beat. Um, and yes, it actually is a, uh, if a new uh, message comes up in the shout box, now it beeps at you and you can toggle that on and off. So people that like to keep the shout box open while they're, you know, doing other stuff, they can, uh, now they know when somebody else has been talking. So you guys like it? Have you, uh, any comments on the, uh, the upgrade on that? It works a heck of a lot better on mobile devices than it did before. Yeah. I like the beat. I, I don't use it much as far as um, posting, but I read it a lot, and I, I've noticed it faster. Okay, cool. That's great. All right, so that brings us to recent events and caches. Um, I think before you go there, there's a big piece of news that we, we have to mention is that uh, one of New Brunswick's own was nominated for Geocacher of the Month. Yes, indeed. All right, she might happen to be here nearby. <laughs> Are you blushing, Gwen? Just a little. <laughs> yeah, so Milo's heart, she's half, uh, Gwen here is half of Milo's heart. It's uh, Gwen and Terry. And, yeah, you guys have been nominated for Cashier of the Month, So, uh, and we've seen a lot of buzz and a lot of activity on that. Uh, how, do you, uh, how do you feel about it? That's cool. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's you know, it's it's a little embarrassing, but it's also a, an honor, and and you know, feels good to to be um, acknowledged or you know, know that things that we do are appreciated. Oh, but it, they are. It, it, it's unnecessary, but it's it's wonderful at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I think the the big, I mean, between you and a couple of the other cashers in Fredericton, I think you guys have been a real driving force there. Mm -hmm. And I know that the you guys have been well. You and Terry have been the ones behind the contest in the last few years, so I think that's also helped the caching community in the province actually by getting more people out. Especially last year. And, yeah. Excuse me. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the contest and stuff, so we'll have lots of uh, chance to discuss that. So. Sure. If you haven't already, uh, if you haven't already gone and uh, commented, you can go to the geocaching blog. I think it's just blog.geocaching.com, and you'll see the, the nomination page. So if you're listening to this and you haven't been there to say, hey, you know, vote for Milo's Heart, then uh, you go out there and, and do that for us so we can have one of our own show up as the, uh, the Cacher Month. It would be very, very nice to see. Cool. <laughs> so recent events and caches. So I was saying there's two, uh, two recent events that are kind of big, and those are really our, our month's topics. That's really around the bye-bye the winter events that went on in Fredericton. So we were just kind of talking about that at the end of the contest. Uh, mm -hmm. So we'll get into that when we, uh, when we get into the actual topic discussion. Um, as always, uh, breakfast. There's always breakfast going on in New Brunswick. Breakfasts are a big popular event. So Fredericton, Moncton, St. John, St. Stephen. Um, Can I say something about the breakfast? Pardon me? I, I, may I say something about the breakfast? Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I know there, there's been talk and debate about whether they should be events or not because they happen every month. Um, and I, I, I have heard and read from different people. Uh, I've read from posts on the uh, nomination for the geocacher of the month thing where people have said, wow, I wish someone here had a, bre a breakfast every month. Um, and I've, I've had other, other people from away say, I wish, you know, somebody here was doing events, you know, on a, on a fairly regular basis because we don't, we never have any. And I, I know from your, um, event that you had when you were in California, you know, 
uh, people saying that, that uh, gee, it's great to have an event. Um, so it's, it, it's, we're lucky I think we have them and I, I know not everybody enjoys them or likes them more and there is debate about whether they should be you know considered events where you get a smiley because they do happen every month but I, I think we're we're pretty lucky to have them because we've got a fabulous you know geocaching community here in New Brunswick and I think in all of the cities that do have them I think the people that go really enjoy the, the getting together and, and talking and, and a lot of times going out caching afterwards. Yeah I, I think you're absolutely right I know we've had the conversation on here before, I mean, I, I know I myself have said it, that it, it, it seems a little overkill, and I mm -hmm. know that, you know, from one perspective, you can see it that way, the fact that, you know, you're always seeing the same thing, and I, I think my, I know for myself, I know that I myself kind of tired of them, and not, not so much, and this is just in the Moncton area, like for myself, I kind of found myself just, it was always the same thing over and over and over again, and it wasn't really... There wasn't any anything really new about them. Um, mm -hmm. I think that was one part of the reason why I kind of shied away from them. I, I mean, I've still gone to a handful in the last year or so, but I also know for myself that the breakfasts I tended to shy off of just because of time, like not having the time to go because I'm, I'm doing other things. Yeah. Um, I think what you're saying, Gwen, is, is a fantastic point. And it's interesting you would talk about other people's perspectives on events because, yeah, when we go to other places, or you're talking to people from other parts of the country or, you know, down in the U.S., you know, there's places where there are, there's no events of any kind. Yeah. So uh, we are very, very fortunate. I think it's just each each city tends to have almost a different uh, group or a different sort of take on it, it seems. You know, some are a little bit more embraced. I know the Fredericton breakfasts are usually quite large. Yeah. Um, I, I've never been to a St. John one, so I'm not sure how they are. I know the Moncton ones are kind of, sometimes there's a lot and sometimes there's not. What, mm -hmm. uh, how about to you, to the other, uh, our other guests? What are your uh, thoughts on breakfast? It's, you know, Gwen, you brought this up. Let's, let's have a little chat about it. <laughs> I think it's terrific that we have a group of people here who, you know, who are enthusiastic about doing events, period. Um, you know, quality people, quality events. Uh, folks are still jumping aboard. Evil C has, I think, his first coming up soon. Uh, mm. had one not that long ago. Uh, folks are getting more and more involved, and it's just a statement on the community here, the caching community in New Brunswick, uh, which continues to flourish and continue, the, the hobby continues to get larger, and, and, uh, that gets me excited. Yeah. I think for me, where I haven't been geocaching this long, it's been nice to go to the breakfast and actually meet some of the people whose usernames I've seen online for months and months and months. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I wouldn't have met Jim52 if I hadn't gone to one of the breakfasts. And I've talked to him about some of his caches, some of the ones of his that I couldn't find, and he's helped me out. So, And I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't gone to these breakfasts. I'll probably keep going. Yeah. Cool. And I think we would probably still have them even if they weren't official events. Yeah, you know, here, I, I, here in Fredericton anyway, I, yeah, I think we probably I, I, I would. I think that goes, speaks to the, the, the community because, it, you know, I know that with the Fredericton cashers, I think out of, I, I don't want to, you know, slight anybody else in the province, but I think that the, the Fredericton geocaching community is very, very tight. I mean, you guys have a very, very large base of, of cashers. Your Facebook group is very, very active, lots of people mm -hmm. on it, and, you know, your, your events are quite popular. So you guys have, like, a really, really booming uh, community, you know, there's there's lots of people in in Moncton and St. John, and now we're starting to see some more activity up north. Um, 
I'm, I think the St. John ones are a little bit more laid back. Like, I don't know if there's as many, as, as big of a community. They tend to be a little bit quieter, I've found, in the past. You know? Yeah, I haven't been to one there for a while. Yeah, so, uh, and then in Moncton, yeah, like like I was saying, you know, there's, there's sometimes the breakfasts are really, really busy and other times they're not, but that's like any other, other event, too. They used to have 40 people at breakfasts every month. Now it's down to about 15, 20. Yeah. A fan group going in Moncton. I don't go. But. Yeah, I've, I've gone, I went to one not, oh, it was probably, probably a month or so ago. And like I said, I, I, I tend to, you know, I wouldn't mind going, but usually ends up I just have something else I'm doing and working all day and have two young kids so I like to spend my time with them versus uh, you know when I can usually on a Sunday morning they they like to hang out so I usually t instead of uh, last time actually I took my I took Megan with me <coughs> we had a little bit of fun there. so cool thank you for bringing that up Gwen that's a great point no problem so there was the Cash Hiding 101 event that Cash Up New Brunswick did so we did a, a hiding you know info event uh, in the town of Riverview. So we talked about hiding caches and all of the things about, you know, good things, bad things, good containers, that kind of stuff. I think that, that went over well. We had a pretty good turnout. A little over 30. It was a little over 30, yeah. Uh, I think uh, KFC Canada has actually gave a count on that. Yeah. Um, and the uh, Revenge of the Mayo can, or the Mayo jar, has yeah. been hidden. <laughs> I actually took that container out that we I had put it in. Um, I taped up a mayo jar in the actual uh, event to show how to hang one and, and ways to camo it up, and I hid three caches, one of which has been published, the other two are waiting, and one of them is Revenge of the Mayo. <laughs> Good <laughs> for you. I logged a note on your new one. I saw that, yes, because I had three, Revenge of the Mayo, um, these pretzels are making yeah, these pretzels are making me thirsty, and uh, King for a Day Fool for a Lifetime. So. <laughs> Uh, we also had the big Fundy event, which we're going to talk about. That was a big, big turnout, huge thing. Really excited to talk about that. Um, so those are the recent events. We had some new caches. The big, there was two big series that came out. Stick hit a series of caches along an, it's an old, it's an ATV trail. ATV trail. Yep. Uh, I think it was 55 caches along there. I know that that was a big series. Um, I also noticed the walking trail up north, and I wanted to mention that Tracker 230 and Gravy. They have hid like I'm sure it's what it's got to be a more than I think they're going to 300 300 caches yeah because I went through the pages of new caches and it's all them it's it's just them over and over and over again. yeah um, so that that's a nice road nice trip trail of caches for sure plus it's it's nice to see more activity going on up north for sure yeah there's another trail too but they got denied <laughs> Martellos yeah. Oh, is that the, what he was? Does he have 56 caches on a line at Siendo? <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that's what had happened. I thought yeah. he was going to hide them. No, he hid them. Oh. Um, I also saw Disco 318 hit a series called I'm Family Game Night. Uh, Viking 43 hit a few. Mm -hmm. And that brings us to <laughs> the uh, last cache that, well, that. I was going to list in this particular particular one is one by M. Hawkins here in Moncton. Uh, Womb in the Woods, I believe is the name of it. Womb of the Woods. Womb of the Woods. So, so Ken, what, Ken, why don't you give us the, the rundown on what well, we're going to Everyone but Gwen has been there. We all know about it. <laughs> I've been watching. I was at Sunday Park and Paul <laughs> and said, you got to go check this cache. Three of us have tried and 
couldn't find it. So I went out the very next day and tried, and I mentioned it on Cash Up, and then it's just been a fury, a flurry, I should say, of people going out and getting pissed off. <laughs> it's, got, it's got 20 DNF logs right now. How many? 20. 20. So we've got 20 DNF logs. I met two fellows out there while I was there that I never met before. They said it was their third time there, and they have over two hours invested. Each wow. And I don't know who they are. One named Joey and one named Charles. And they're geocachers. I couldn't wow. remember their name. Never heard of them. And they've been out there three times themselves. When I went out today, I went out on my lunch hour, and I was out there about 20 minutes looking. Uh, Evil C and Super White and the two kids showed up. So we looked together and wa walked around and... You know, the two kids, one's two and one's four. So, you know, between the two of them, they averaged out the three-year-old because it's that, you know, <laughs> high level of the three-year-old. Yeah. Um, and we looked and looked and looked, and I, I had no luck finding it whatsoever, and I had to go back to work, so I left. And as I was exiting the trail, Kimper Swift saw all the buzz on cash up about the uh, about this cash, and she was going to give it a shot, and since then I DNF'd it as well. And, and, and I ran into her on my way out there today, and I spent almost an hour. And on my way out, I ran into uh, Paul from Paul and Stacy, as well as uh, Zonker on his, on their way in to try to find it. And they also uh, came up empty. <laughs> and I, I ran into Rev there and uh, EBE. So I didn't go down that trail there for something else. But, uh, yeah, lots of witnesses. I think I'm going to get MB Gamer to set up the lemonade stand there. <laughs> Make some money. All right. I think it's interesting because there's a lot of conversation, a lot of talk about it, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking some people think it's not there um, and that it might, you know, it might just be somebody's, you know, as a gag to folks and others are saying, well, you know, maybe it's just really well hidden. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what, what you guys think on that particular subject. I think it's great. I think he went out and hit it. He marked his GPS. And every time he goes out to check on it, he's using what he marked. But maybe those aren't the numbers he put in geocaching.com. Uh -huh. <laughs> although he did say in his log that he went out and he saw where everybody had been looking. That's right. And it's there. He emailed me and told me I was close. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> and a cryptic hint, like he's like to you. I love cryptic kids. This is this is one of the best hints I've seen. Everybody hates Keith. <laughs> Ask anybody. That's perfect. So I, I I think that I mean assuming the cash is still there. I mean you know I'm I'm going on the, I'm give the benefit of the doubt. Assume that the cash actually is there, and mm -hmm. that it's just been hidden in such a way that people are really having a hard time finding it. Um, assuming that is the case. I actually think the whole thing is quite fantastic. I put that in my DNF. I think it's great because mm -hmm. a lot of people are trying to find it, and it's really spurring some interest. And you don't see that with a lot of caches anymore. You don't see a lot of people going, oh, I can't find it, and there's a lot of talk and chatter, and I wonder where it is, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But there's a side effect to that in the fact that that particular area of, that, of the trail, like the wood area, is going to get pretty much destroyed by people ripping trees and stuff apart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's not like it's in the, it's it's in the middle of the city, but it's not nothing too serious. But uh, I, I think it's pretty neat, actually. <laughs> I think if that, if that cash is not found by this weekend, there is a breakfast event in Dieppe on Sunday morning, and I bet you there'll be 20 or 30 people go straight from the breakfast out to go look for it <laughs> together afterwards. 
Yeah, I would. I would bet that you're probably, probably. Right. another event Sunday afternoon as well. Oh yeah, the couple yeah, hours we're, breakfast. Yeah, we're going to talk about events <laughs> afterwards anyway. So, um, yeah. So if, if you have the opportunity, if you're in the Moncton area, or you know you're going to be going through Moncton, and uh, you're uh, curious to see what all the fuss is about, so you're gonna you want to check out Womb of the Woods. That's what it is, Womb of the Woods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, hidden by M. Hawkins. The code has come up a handful of times on, on uh, the shout box on Cash Up NB. We'll put it in the show notes when we uh, post this. So if you get a chance, uh, hopefully somebody's going to find it. And but nobody wants them, somebody else to find it. They want to find it themselves. Yeah, well, that's yeah. why I went out today. I'm like, oh, I can find it. It can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm not familiar with the cashier. Is, is it somebody new or? Well, oh, he's been around a little while there. I met him last year. Stand up guy. Okay. Family seller. He's got over 500 fines under his belt, and he tends okay. to go out with his wife. I think uh, I think M. Hawkins is a husband and wife team. Okay. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. As long as Nemo doesn't find it first. <laughs> as long as whoever finds it tells me where it is. That's all I really care about. Well, see, I think the opposite. I think whoever finds it shouldn't tell anybody. Well, Don't listen to Glenn. I would, and I would, if I had found the cash, I, I would have logged my find. But I would have ignored any emails, or if somebody emailed me asking, I would have given a hint as cryptic as what M. Hawkins has been giving. Yeah. I think some of the fallout from from that cash also might be that uh, that space opened up after Jim had removed one of his caches, and I think, uh, and I know he's planning on removing a lot more of his puzzle caches, and some of the fallout from this one, he may not really want to remove, <laughs> you know, <laughs> too many more, create room for uh, a cache he can't find. <laughs> Just kidding, Jim. <laughs> You got me on that trail to see the trail. I've got all the other catches on the trail, so there was a bonus for me. Yeah, absolutely. I'd already cleaned that area out, so I'm, I'm, I was good. But I wanted to see what everybody was talking about. What's the big deal? You know, I had it on my watch list, so I'm like, okay, I got to go actually check this out. I wanted out. to make sure you went before we did this tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, like I said, one of the woods. Check it out if you're near Moncton. Uh, I'm sure it will be a, uh, it will be found eventually. Somebody will find it. Uh, whether they really find it or not, I'm sure a log will come up. <laughs> well, when, when Paul Merrigan emailed me today, said he was on his way out again this afternoon. I said, if you don't find it, just drop a 35 millimeter in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have any friends if he did that. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving along, we're gonna uh, we're gonna hit up this month's topic. So for this month, we're really gonna talk about at least to start. We'll see how we uh, how we're doing on time. Um, the two big ones I had, the one I want to start with actually was uh, really about the Bye Bye Winter Weekend that went on in Fredericton at the end of April. Um, that was the conclusion of the Come Out and Play contest. So I know during the last podcast, we kind of gave the, the, some of the stats, and I know, Gwen, you posted the, uh, the details on Cash Up about all the specifics of the order, people, you know, place, mm -hmm. that kind of good stuff. Um, yep. You guys had... Five, five events that weekend. So you want to talk a little bit about how that, how the contest went a, a little bit more and, and the weekend with the events and all that kind of stuff a little bit? Sure. Um, the contest itself, we were more than thrilled with the results and the participation and the feedback that we've gotten so far. Um, it, it was We weren't prepared for the amount of 
um, players the amount of work, <laughs> um, and, and I'm not complaining in any way, shape, or form. We're, we're just thrilled with it, but it was a lot of work. So we're going to talk to you about making that a bit easier for us next year. Yeah. Um, I think your, your suggestion of having the um, launch events the weekend that it started in the different cities was fantastic, and I think that really created a lot of buzz about it and got a lot of people uh, interested in it who may not have heard about it otherwise. Um, so we probably would continue to do that. Um, the contest ended at the end of March, and then we have our bye-bye winter weekend in, at the end of April. And we have the we had a bowling event Friday night, which we had about 50 people um, there for bowling. And it's not normal bowling; it's funky bowling and bowling bingo and bowling rolling balls backwards and hopping on one foot. And so anybody can do it, and it's a lot of fun. And we had a great time. Then on Saturday morning, we uh, Natalie Treehugger 21 had the CETO event, and for the last couple of years, we've had it on a stretch of highway down on Lincoln from the airport towards Oromocto. Um This year, we did a trail on the north side of uh, Fredericton in the city, and I think a lot of people preferred it. I know I did, um, because kids could participate when you're on the highway um, under 12 is not allowed to participate, so we had a fair number of uh, younger kids out that um, normally we wouldn't have had. And I'm not sure how many bags of garbage were picked up, but I, I know there was a fair bit, um, and I think Natalie was quite uh, pleased with the results for that one as well. And then um, Daryl from Coop Squared had a flash mob at City Hall in the afternoon. Um, we weren't there. We were getting stuff ready for the bash later on in the day, but we did watch it on the city's webcam. The city has a, a webcam set up in front of City Hall, so we did see it, <laughs> which was quite interesting. It was, a, I think, an 80s workout scene where people took weights. And Were you there? Yeah, I was there. Everybody, okay. everybody had to do different kinds of a workout, so you kind of broke it into groups, and some people were doing weights, and some were doing jumping jacks, and some were doing stairs, and I did power sitting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, I actually, I put that one on YouTube. I got a video of, of a bunch of people, because they had the music going, and everybody was, you know, working out for 15 minutes. It was it was really well done. The the flash mobs the last few years with it with your event day have been really uh, unique, which is nice. Yes, they have, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. He do, he does a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have to be the bash. And then the bash was the. Um, Bye bye winter bash barbecue potluck supper, and we had uh, I about 130 people. The venue we got was for 120, <laughs> so we're going to have to move again next year. <laughs> we keep growing. Um, and at the bash, we had uh, we awarded the prizes for the come out and play contest, and had uh, door prizes, and uh, just had a great time. Yeah, I uh, I was there. I, the whole family I brought the whole family up for the weekend, so mm -hmm. uh, you know the kids came out and we enjoyed our our weekend in Fredericton. And yeah, the bash was fantastic. You know, a really really good group. Uh, nice to see you know a big big turnout. A lot of people from out of town, which was nice to see. Yes. Yeah, it was nice to see kind of everybody coming together in one spot. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you had the brunch the or uh, was it Scouter Rick has the brunch the following morning? Yes. 
Yeah, that's at the Ramada Inn. It's um, we go there once a year. It's a little pricier than most, but uh, it's a fantastic buffet, and uh, it's just a nice way to um, to finish off the the weekend. Cool. So that having been said, so that the contest is over, and you know we're we're coming into summer, and and you know Fundy was the the next big one, which just went through. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and so, if you had thoughts and things about uh, the contest that will come up this winter. Well, first of all, I've had quite a few people ask me if there's going to be one for the spring or summer, and I'm saying, just let me catch my breath. <laughs> if someone wants to do one, go right ahead, please. <laughs> um, it, I haven't sent out, like normally we send out an email to all the players after the contest, getting their feedback, getting ideas how we can make it better or things to change. Um, I, I'm, I'm of half a mind to... to um, try to change it up as much as possible for next year, do something, you know, along the lines of rather than a list of tasks, uh, fill out a bingo card, you know, with different tasks or, or perhaps Monopoly or some other type of game, you know, that just okay. makes it a little bit, little bit different. But then again, if people enjoyed this, you know, the way it was this, this past winter, then then maybe we could do that for one more year and then switch it up. I, I just we haven't talked about it or haven't gotten all the feedback um, yet, so I, we really haven't given it much thought. Okay. Now, uh, Cable Guy or V3, did either of you participate in the contest this year? Yep, I, I did. Uh, yeah, I had a blast. I uh, had them had twenty tasks completed by early February. By uh, by the time uh, my and Pause event came around. Uh, had a terrific time. Got me out there. Broke my monthly record in January. Thanks very much, Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I, I think I was a perfect example of somebody that got out a lot more because of the contest. So, yeah, kudos to, to Gwen and the gang that yeah. did all that. How about you, Heath? Uh, I, I didn't participate this year only because I was trying to get uh, quite a large uh, geo streak going. I was doing the 200 days uh, challenge this past winter. Um, and as I started depleting all the caches in town, I realized I could only do one a day. And I, I hit over 250 days in a row there this past week, and I'm going to keep going till I till I hit 365 days. Awesome. So we have to keep putting them out there for you, eh? Please, and if you could do it in my neighborhood even, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I, I hit three, and they're nowhere near your neighborhood. One of them is a 300-meter bushwhack into the woods, so... Yeah, we did have over 400 caches hidden for the contest, which was phenomenal. Wow, that is good. Yeah. That's fantastic. There are, what, about 10,000 in New Brunswick? Mm-hmm. Something like that. So 400 is a chunk of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty good amount of hides for, I mean, and that's just specific for the contest, too. That doesn't include other ones, too. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so cool. Well, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I didn't get to participate as much as I would have liked to, um, just either being purely lazy uh, or not thinking about it. Um, I, you know, I, I started doing a few of the tasks, and then just kind of time got away from me, so I, I didn't get a chance to finish them. And I, I say that I'll do it more the next year. I, I hope to be doing that, but you know how things can kind of run away from you as, as you get busy doing things, so I'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, we can we we could have a conversation, uh, you know, in the coming months, Gwen, about trying to find a way to perhaps automate some of that stuff that we've we've already set up for you. Cause yeah. I, when when I uh, when I talked to our catch up developer there, uh, Evil C, and 
he's when I had to, when I told him that you were doing this all by hand, he's like, no. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> fathom the amount of, of entries and annual edits, especially with a contest as large and that many people in it now. Yeah. You kind of expect that the more that it becomes popular, the more it's going to grow, and it's just going to get harder and harder. So. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll definitely look at doing uh, finding a way to at least unload some of that from you to give you a hand on it. That will be greatly appreciated. <laughs> If I can interject for just a second, uh, I think when that some of the tasks you, you had were fantastic for the sport, and you know you may consider having a few compulsory tasks like the do maintenance on a cache, for example. I think that one is absolutely mm -hmm. the bomb. I think it encourages everyone to fix at least one cache out there, and you know we. We've got so many that could use a little help and that are great caches. So I think that's one task that, you know, we should really hold on to. Good idea. Hello? Hello? Oh, sorry about that. You're almost dying on me. <laughs> Edit. You still there? Yeah. Right here. Still here. That guy's my, uh, I had my phone on speaker and the battery just died. I just turned the other one on. Somebody sing. <laughs> I, can, I can hear the edit button clicking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we can move on to the fun day event. Yep. So, oh, Rev, there you are. Wow. Welcome. So, Ken, why don't you, uh, I've been babbling a little bit. Why don't you talk a little bit about the fun day event? The fun day event was awesome. <laughs> yes, it was. I was really shocked when Jim Sear contacted me back in January asking if we wanted to take over. I've been involved with this for the last four years from the ACG point of view, and they've been doing all the work, and I've just been going down to host the event with them. This year he wanted us to take over everything, so that's their flagship. That was their, their number one national park in Canada uh, geocaching event, and they gave it to us, and I was I was really pleased, so I'm glad we got it. A little bit of uh, trepidation at first. I didn't know if we could fill the shoes, but I guess we showed them. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I think uh, I think it worked out pretty well, and, and Funny Park seemed quite happy with it. They were incredibly happy. It was, we were new, Robin was new, and uh, things went extremely quickly and extremely well. So I'm very happy. Yeah, I, I, I'm speaking for myself, having having wanted to go last year and then not able to, to go for personal reasons. Um, so this year to be involved, I went out with you to hide the caches and, and working with the park and you know, how they were so excited about working with us and you know wanting to see what we could do for them. Um, I thought the locations, you know, the, the locations yeah. combined with the historical element I thought was, uh, was kind of cool. Um, I know there was some, some questions about the million dollar view of all the caches that I heard any comments about, I heard people say, what's with the million dollar view? Because it seemed like it was in the middle of the woods. But read, read the cache page. You read the history, it made a little bit more sense. So. Yeah. Now read the listings. That's why they're there. I'm guilty of ignoring them myself. <laughs> well, most of us came out to the park, I think, without having preloaded them onto, uh, onto our GPSs. I know that was the case for me. All I, got mm -hmm. the, all I got was the coordinates when I arrived. Okay. Well, at one time, you didn't get the coordinates until 11 o'clock sharp, and everybody scattered at the same time. And they That's were right. After the event. Yeah. So I really like it coming out Saturday like it did. Yeah. Much better. Yeah, so did I. So did I. I think it's a great move to 
release at least some of them the evening before. I see three quarters of the people had them preloaded when they showed up at the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. There was a yeah, few who made the comment that, you know, the fact that they came out the night before allowed them to start a little bit early so they could make sure they got them all that day and be able to make the closing ceremonies, if you want to call that, at, the, at 4 o'clock. Yes. Uh, I think that was a big plus for, for most cachers. Yeah, yeah, I agree is, with that. This is the third time I've brought my scout troop down to do the event, and some of the kids are quite a bit slower hiking the trails than us adults, and uh, well, I found that we always need more time to finish, so I was I appreciated that we were able to start earlier. That's going to carry yeah. on that way. Yeah, that's, speaking that's, of kids and scouts, uh, I was totally impressed with the amount of children and young families there. Uh, the event that had kids, it was the, by far the biggest event with the most children and young families at. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. Very surprising. Yeah, it was, it was really nice to see families. We saw a lot of people that had never cashed before. They ran out every GPF unit they had to people that, you know, just had heard about it and wanted to try it. So we uh, had people show up and we, we couldn't help them. We had no GPSs for them. How many does the park have? I'm not sure. Half a dozen? Yeah, half a dozen. Okay. And they were preloaded with the catches in them, which was really nice. Is there some way that you can maybe pair people who don't have one up with people who do? I think we did do that a couple of times. We, we did okay. do that a couple of times. I think the problem is is that most people who have a GPS, they, they sort of come, they either come in, sign their name, and take off, or mm -hmm. they're already out there and they don't show up until the end. True. So you know, people, you know, anybody that's an experienced cacher, they, they they're not typically sticking around very long. They're they're going out and they're going caching. So you know, it, it would be really nice to be able to to pair them with some people. But at the same time, you, you can't necessarily know how many people that have never cached before are going to show up. True. So experienced cachers probably aren't going to want to just sort of stand around waiting for somebody that may or may not show up. So. Okay. On, on uh, sort of a different vein, then, how many of us have more than one GPS that we could have brought to be loaned out? I could have brought three. <laughs> I could have brought two. <laughs> yeah, that's something that up to the individual, really. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if, if cashers wanted to donate those, for, donate them time, I mean, you know, not to, obviously not to keep, but if cashers were okay with that, I mean, I, I don't have any objection to that. The, the thing is, is that, you know, you don't necessarily know who they are, so if they're not back by 4 o'clock when the closing ceremonies are done and we kind of wrap up and they haven't returned, You've got to come up with a plan of some kind to be able to, to recoup that GPS and get it back. There really wasn't that many. It was a few, but not Yeah, there was only a okay. Only, I remember one guy, I remember one family that yeah. showed up. They wanted to do it, and they didn't have a GPS. So I think that was just the one. And there was a couple that ended up using their iPhone. Yeah, yeah, there was some. So if it, I don't think the demand was there. I think it's a great idea, you know, that if, if, if the possibility comes up. Yeah. Uh, just yeah, there wasn't that much of a need. It was just it was more along the lines of cashers who had never used a GPS before, didn't know how to navigate, didn't know anything about it, so had to give them the the five minute crash course on how to find a geocache with a Garmin Etrex. Oh, okay. Well, it was the second biggest event in the Maritimes behind the Mega. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it was awesome. You guys did a fantastic job. It's 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 the you know it's our favorite weekend of the year, and and it was just it just keeps getting better and better. So, hats off to 
to catch up New Brunswick. Oh, I think you. we should set a target to have this be a mega event in a couple of years. Yeah. Well, we, we would have had a metal coin if we would have had more time this year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, well, I wanted the metal coin for sure, but I was glad to see the that we wanted the metal coin. Yeah, it was, I was glad to see that we we, least, uh, we at least got it trackable, and I know that, yes. that the cashers had asked for for the last couple of years, um, mm -hmm. so we were able to at least provide that. And the, despite the fact that the wood coin, it is a beautiful-looking wood coin. I really it is, yeah. So, um, and uh, Heath, you had a, an orienteering event of some kind down there as well, did you not? Right. So the uh, the evening before uh, the big Fundy event, uh, Orienteering New Brunswick was already putting on an event in the park from starting from the same place. It was a night orienteering course. Uh, I happened to sit on the board of the directors for Orienteering New Brunswick, so I thought I'd put an event out there and see if any geocachers want to try orienteering out. I kind of think there's some similarities between the two activities, you know, using a a map and trying to navigate around in the woods so and I think a lot of people don't really know how to use a map and a compass so I thought well I'll do a little bit of instruction on how to do that because if your GPS batteries ever, ever die it's uh, good to ha have the skills to know how to get yourself out of the woods so we did a little bit of map and compass instruction and then for anybody who wanted to actually go and do the night orienteering course uh, we sent them out and the, we had the latest technology for them to use to to play around with that and it was a good attended event as well 45 people went in and participated in that and that's not counting the people who did the campfire yeah true. yeah so yeah. and he i've already discussed with the park and we have the logistics worked out for next year good good so no more confusion i cool. i think that there are quite a few people who in, who enjoyed the the map and compass uh, aspect of things. So even if it's just the evening before, I think it's uh, it's an activity worth repeating. I think it's a good idea to have something the night before because there are a lot of people that are camping out on Saturday or even just the whole weekend. So I think that you know gives them another reason to come out. You know, you have a couple of events to sort of pad around the uh, around the big ones. Well, I was tired because I was sleeping at that site and I wanted to go to bed. And all I could hear was Moon singing. <laughs> Next year we'll move the campfire a little further away. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the plan, is, at least as it, as it is today, the plan is for us to continue to uh, host on the event. Yep. Uh, they already booked the site for us for next year. Like two mine. Yep. Eight. <laughs> so, um, so we, we've had that discussion already. Um, we've been approached for another project yep. that they have in mind um, that we're I'm really excited about. Very curious to see how we're going to play that out. Um, not it's not just one location. It's uh, we're going to call it the Fundy Four. So we'll hear a little bit more about that coming probably later in the year sometime. Uh, but uh, they're, they're really excited about working on that project as well. So it, it's it's really good for us. It's really good for Fundy. It's really good for geocaching. I think. It's fantastic for the province to have these, uh, these big things like this. Uh, hey, can I uh, maybe just give a little heads up there uh, while we're finishing up Fundy? As far as uh, Kishibikwak Park is concerned, I uh, just want to give everyone a heads up that uh, they do not allow anyone to bring their own firewood. Apparently there is a, a beetle uh, that hasn't gone any further than Nova Scotia until recently where they found a few in Kishibikwak and uh, they don't allow us to bring firewood anymore. You have to purchase it on site. 
That's at Cushabaquack, you said? Yeah, that's right. Really? And you know, while we're on the subject of Cushabaquack, it's been brought up a couple of times. Uh, the ACJ has talked to them and uh, developed a plan with them, but they never have the resources and the money to do it. They want geocaching in the park. They just physically cannot do it. Now with the cut, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but uh, that's something that's still on the radar. I just don't know if it'll ever take off. Yeah, during during the cuts this past winter, they lost over 30% of their staff. Yeah. Wow. wow. I mean, that's a shame. Nothing, but... Yeah, we don't, we don't have any costs. It's just, you know, what what can... How can the park help kind of thing, so... Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, still on the radar. It's just a matter yeah. of seeing what, what can be done kind of thing, so... That's, that's good to know. Yeah, so Fundy was fun. Yeah, it's Fundy. Very good. Expect to... Uh, Expect to see you next year again. I'm going to order the same weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, please do. That was awesome. Yeah, that was that was fantastic weather. You really couldn't have asked for a better day. So no. we were really really happy. And 254 people signed our log. Uh, there may have been people that came afterwards that didn't get a chance, like that started and that we I uh, didn't get. But still, I mean, 250 people. You can't really knock that, especially given they had 170 last year. So. It's definitely a, yeah. a large jump in You have a message. Oh my, I turned that off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so while we're on the topic of that, and I'm just going through some of the different stuff, because um, let me look at my time here. While you're, while you're talking about your time, I just got a text message from Incepit. Okay. Mark, Irene, and Incepit were in Vegas for the week. <laughs> yes. Um, I asked them how many geocaches they found while they were down there. I know their 24-hour record, they went 24 hours from midnight to midnight, 918. Wow. And he says, I'm honestly not sure what our total was. Mark thinks it's almost 3,700. Holy lifting. <laughs> they they found more caches in one day than I've ever found. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In three years. <laughs> they are hardcore. They slept in their Jeep. <laughs> Good for them, though. They enjoy it. Yeah. That's what they, they enjoy to do. They like the time together. They like Vegas. Good on them. So Absolutely. we'll get to hear all about it in the podcast or two, right? Yeah, down the road. <laughs> we, had, we had Mark Irene on one. last time. They did the, ET, the old ET highway, and Mark Irene was on, and he talked a little bit about that. We had him on real, real brief. He was, he was only here for about 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, and Jeff talked about it a little bit before, so maybe we'll try and get the two of them back, and they can, they can talk about it. <laughs> 3,700 fines over the course of their trip. Um, so just a couple of little things here to, uh, to talk about. Um, I know, uh, Gwen, you were talking... Jeez, man, you're getting... I got my volume turned down. Sorry. <laughs> um, I know, Gwen, you had mentioned uh, talking about uh, will attend, logging will attend for events. Do you want to, uh, to speak to that a little bit? Uh, just because <laughs> it's a it's a pet peeve of mine, partially because we do a fair number of events, and um, it's just a reminder to people to to log their will attends because a lot of times um, how you know how much food is there or how many seats are allowed or whatever depends on the number of people who who we anticipate attending something. So when people don't log their will attends or log them at the very very last minute. Um, it, it just makes it more difficult and frustrating for the people putting the events on to be able to put them on properly. I know, for example, um, with the uh, Bye Bye Winter Bash, we had 58 
will attends, but 70 people log that they attended it. And you sort of double the numbers because you assume most people come as part of a couple or with one or more kids, so it sort of evens out to, to doubling it. Um, and that's, you know, that's 25, 24, 25 extra people. And if you're not expecting that, it, it can be you know, frustrating, and it's not really fair to the to the rest of people who who are there. If if you know the room all of a sudden becomes really crowded, or the food is is you know not um, not enough food to to, to feed everybody. Um, not that that's ever happened, but it's 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 just uh, common courtesy, and and just let people know that you're attending events. Yeah, I, I I can speak to that actually with regards to the race event that I do every year. Mm -hmm. uh, the race I get will attends. Um, but because there, there's the, the barbecue, which is the actual event itself, and then there's the race registrations, and I always push, you know, I'm always telling people, like, look, you need to tell me, you need to either do a will attend that you're coming to the event, or you put in a race registration to say you've got a team, because we do, we, we provide all the food and all the drink at the finish line, and if I don't know you're going to be there, then there's no way for me to, to ensure that there's enough food to cover everybody. Um, and it's the same thing with any event. Like we had uh, the kickoff event in Moncton for the contest. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have a lot of will attends for it, but we filled Pizza the Light because people just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And so we thought this little room in the back was going to fit, and then, you know, we had taken over pretty much every table in the entire restaurant because so many people showed up. If yeah. I had known that many people would come, I would have told the restaurant, oh, well, we need a bigger room, or I would have gone somewhere else. So. Yeah. Like the waitresses. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> right, maybe something you could do is only people who log or will attend get entered in door prizes, something like that. Good idea, Rep. I'm Good not idea. touching that one. <laughs> If you don't log a will attend, your name won't be entered in, in the door prize bucket. I don't know. I'd do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into policing people. You know, there's, a, there's enough areas where people are are uh, expecting you to tell them what to do. So. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. I mean, we are all adults, and if you're invited to a wedding or a party or something, you are vs. You know, you are VSP. Um, it's just it's just common courtesy to let people know you're coming. People yeah. are taking their time and money to to host something for you to participate in. So, you know, just let them know you're going to show up. Yeah. Oh, I'd be dirty. <laughs> well, you can be that way. That'll keep being the way yeah. she is. Make her look nicer. <laughs> um, so, and another topic, actually, and this is one that Heath you brought up, so you can you can talk a little bit about it. Um, and I'm just I'm you'll. For guys, I'm just cherry picking a few of them because I'm, I'm keeping an eye on our time to make sure we're right where we, we should be for stuff. So, yep. um, the one that actually kind of stands out, and I'm, I've actually had this conversation before. Uh, Heath, in your uh, in your notes, you mentioned about mega events and the fact that Fundy was more than halfway or halfway towards a mega event, and you had some uh, some commentary on that. So, uh, I, why don't you speak a little bit to that? Well, I think from I've, I've never been to a mega event before, and so I think you need 500 people to attend for something to be classified as a mega event. So the Sunday event was more than halfway there. So I'm just wondering, I don't really know what makes an event mega, and I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but if the, if we had a mega event in Fundy Park next year or the year after, would that not be the first mega event to be held in Atlantic Canada? No. There has been one mega event that was 
held in Bridgewater, Nova Scotia two years ago, I want to say. 2010, yeah. Yeah, 2010. Uh, the, uh, it was called the Maritime Mega. Uh, yeah, that was the first mega on the, on the, uh, the east end of the country, so within Atlantic Canada. Um, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was, it was put on by the ACGA, but the ACGA kind of helped sponsor it and helped work with them to, to have that event. Um, and they, they said they had more than 500 people show up. And I know, like, I was there, Ken was there. I think, Gwen, you were there as well. Yep. Yeah, so there, were, there was a good, a good size of people there. It wasn't a, it wasn't a traditional mega. I've been, to, I've been to a bunch now. I've been to two Geo Woodstocks and a couple of other megas. So I, you know, when I, when, I think of, when I think of other mega events I've been to, the one in Nova Scotia was kind of like a little bit kind of like that. Um, but really the only thing that is required to make an event mega is to have 500 names on the log. Now that's not logged on the event on geocaching.com. That's 500 actual names on the physical logbook from the event. So as long as you have that and you can provide that to ground speak, a regular event can become a mega just by that alone. So they'll, they'll sort of upgrade it, if you will, after the fact? Yep. So you take Fundy, for example. Let's say next year we broke 500 attendees, right? We would list it as a regular old normal event, but if we counted it through and saw there was more than 500, we, you know, scan the logs and send it to GroundSpeak and say, hey, this event ended up being a mega. Uh, can you upgrade it? They would verify it. As long as they were okay with it, they would convert it to a mega. And then the following year, if we wanted to list it as a mega, we would be allowed to because we've achieved mega status previously. Well, I, I, I'm going to put a call out right now. I'm going to encourage everybody out there who didn't go to the Fundy event this year, make sure you get yourself down to Fundy Park next year, and let's have New Brunswick's first mega in Fundy Park next May long weekend. The, the thing about the, the megas is that it would be, I think for Fundy, I think Fundy you probably could end up doing it, depending on, I mean, we're talking twice the amount of people. It would... It would kind of depend on on the nature of the of the uh, the nature of the event. I don't know if you would really get a. I don't know if you would get 500 people for a hiking challenge event. I don't know, Ken. Uh, what do you think? If they know it was a mega, people would go just to get the icon. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that I've seen from megas, like the, the and the only the only ones other than the. Uh, Maritime Mega that I went to. I've been to two Geo Woodstocks and I went to the Mega in Quebec. And with the Geo Woodstocks, I mean, that's the largest Mega in the world every year, but typically you have, you know, it's just one big event with a whole lot of people and you have some vendors and you have different things that people are doing. I know that Geo Woodstock last year was my favorite. It was set on a, uh, a fairgrounds where they normally have like, there was horse races and rides and all that kind of stuff and they had like the popcorn booths and that kind of thing and it was it was kind of like going to the fair, except it was all geocaching. And that, to me, really felt more like a mega event because you had all these different things you could do and different people, and you had food there, and you had, you know, there's a trackable section, and you could get bugs, and you could go buy some stuff, and you could talk to people, and they had uh, sessions, like learning sessions, learning how to where I go, learning pocket queries, all these different sort of things that you could learn. And I think... To me, I mean, I know they tried that at the Quebec Mega. They did a little bit of that, um, and and it was it was okay. Um, but as far as the mega events, in my mind, I I, I tend to picture Geo Woodstock. Um, I know that there's the the Earth Cash Mega that's going on in September, the September long weekend. So that'll be interesting to see what they do for that. So look at Ross. 
<laughs> it would be it was, it's a matter of knowing whether or not you can get enough people to come out. And if you could, if you call it a mega, you know, you call it a mega, the people will come because they're calling it a mega. Um, but you can't guarantee that mega status if you've never had it before. So that's kind of where you, you know, if you call it a mega and then it doesn't turn out to be a mega, then you're kind of, it, it would look kind of bad, I would say. Mm -hmm. So would we, get a, uh, would we get the mega icon if, for example, Fundy was upgraded after the event? Yeah. Anybody that attended, if, if it turns into a mega, anybody that logs the event would get the mega icon. Yeah, I, I, you know, I obviously I'd like to go to what you would what you're calling sort of a traditional quote unquote mega event with, you know, other activities going on and vendors there and whatnot. But, I mean, heck, if we could get 500 people out to participate in the funny event next year, that would be a mega, and I think the park would be delighted, and I'd certainly be delighted to see that many people come out. I'm gonna have a mega at the Nickelback concert. <laughs> <laughs> that won't get 500 people. <laughs> um. Maybe next year for the Fundy event, you encourage everyone to bring a friend. Yeah, yeah. Bring I, a muggle. I think if Fundy's continuing in the trend that it's doing, you know, that it would not be hard to get a mega, but people have said the same thing about the race event. And, you know, even let's talk about the, the come out and play contest stuff. That's starting to grow now. You're seeing, you know, the triple-digit numbers, people coming to these events. So the race, mm -hmm. we had 150 people last year. I'm, I'm expecting close to 200 this year. So. Yeah. As those events continue to grow, it's not unreasonable to think that you're pushing the envelope towards a mega. It's just a matter of you need the planning, you need the infrastructure, and you need to have, you know, the bigger reasons for people to come out. So mm -hmm. we had 254 for, for Fundy. If you can, you know, we break 300, 350 next year, you know, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely within the foreseeable future that that could become a mega if the trend continues. Yeah. No. That being said, I can't think of many of the uh, of the cashers from the Moncton area who didn't go. I most of the people that I'm, I'm accustomed to seeing at other events and whose names I see on logs, I think most of them I saw down at Funny Park. Yeah, I can think of a few that didn't show up, but they just weren't in town. But, yeah, by, by far and large, I mean, there was a lot of people from Moncton, a lot of people from Fredericton, St. John. We just go through the logbook. They're from everywhere, like all through Nova Scotia. People came, so it's uh, yeah, definitely, definitely something to keep on the radar for uh, for moving down the down the chain as we go. One so, thing uh, that I oh, go ahead. Sorry. One one thing that I I don't know how you you if it's an issue or how you would would go about um, fixing it or or doing it, but we for us. A big part of geocaching is the social aspect of it, and we see all these people on the trails, and you go by a string of 30 people, and you say, hi, good morning, how are you, are we there yet, you know, to everybody, but you don't know who they are. Yeah. And th is there some way that we can have something or do something or have a big barbecue or, or get together afterwards or before or name tags or some way that we can, you know, at least know who these people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be nice It would be nice to be able to put some, some names to faces for your, all those people you're seeing out on the trails. Yeah. Um, it's, definitely, it's definitely something to, uh, 
to consider. I actually, you say that, and it, it brings to mind something I've seen at Geo Woodstock. I don't know what it's called, but uh, the two Geo Woodstocks I went to, they give you this, when you get your bag of goodies, like your, they'll give you all kinds of flyers and your coin and T-shirt and all that stuff. The two that I went to, they had this sheet, and it was a big grid. It was like a 10 by 10 square grid, and it had all these, these little things written inside each grid. And basically the idea was is that each square had something about geocaching, and it said, has found a where I go cache, has found 100 caches, has found 1,000 caches, has, been, has cached in more than two countries, or things like all these little things. And mm -hmm. the idea was is that you have to go and find people at the event to sign your sheet and in one of those boxes. So it gave you the opportunity to meet these people and talk to them. So maybe something like that you could do while people are out on the trail. You know, they're trying to get these caches, but they're also trying to get this, fill this sheet in. Because if I remember right, if you had the sheet full, you got to submit it for a special kind of draw, and there was a prize that you could get. So okay. a lot of people, they're, they're a little bit more inspired to fill this out. Because one, they want to know what these people are, and two, they want a shot at whatever the prize ends up being. Mm -hmm. Then what's talking about is after the event, have a barbecue or supper together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That could be fixed for next year. Yeah, that would be def either way, like some some way to allow some interaction with uh, with everybody. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we uh, we're over our hour here, so we're going to start winding this down a little bit. Uh, just talking about uh, closing up and some of the uh, upcoming events. So I have some uh, some event stuff listed here. So. As we all know, there's always breakfast going on in the, in the uh, province of New Brunswick, so be sure to check the newest uh, listings on uh, geocaching.com for the breakfast in your area, wherever you might be. Um, Evil C listed his first event, called it the Great Ascent. It's basically at the top of Hayward Pinnacle in Moncton, uh, or near Moncton, I should say, not in Moncton. Um, basically picnic, go on up to the top, uh, see the great view, and uh, meet some cashers. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how that, uh, that's going to turn out. Mm. There's the uh, worldwide flash mobs coming up at the start of June. So I know there's two listed right now, one in St. John, one in Moncton, and I saw that uh, Fredericton, Daryl's trying to see if somebody else will actually list it instead of having him do it. He's going to take it. Yeah. So yeah, there's some discussion there. Yeah, there is. I know, Ken, you've got your uh, your protest one going on. The Moncton protest, and I have permission from City Hall to do it, so they won't pepper spray it. <laughs> but I can't wait. I can't wait to see some of the signs. I've got a couple ideas. And I told everyone to stop telling everyone your ideas. <laughs> I want to see them all when we get there. So hopefully everyone makes something fun and original. I, I, I'm excited to see that one. I want to see how that's going to turn out. Um, I saw three events all with the word trail in it, so I kind of lumped them all together. There was Trail Days, the Fredericton Trails event, and Trail Mix, which was a, a GC 101 type of event. Are they all on June 2nd? Because that's going to be Trails Day. I don't think they're all on the same day. No. There's one here May 30th. Yeah. Yeah, NB Trails Day is June, is June 2nd. Okay. No, none of them are. Yeah. Grand, the Grand Bay Westfield Trail Days is on Trails Day. NB Trails Day, so. Um, and there was another GC intro event by Mud in the Face. Uh, they, I think they put those on on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, three or four years. Uh, just like uh, the geocachette that uh, Tiger Tracker's doing, he's doing two of them. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, Monday, or Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Saturday, Sunday. So if you're in Dieppe in uh, that particular weekend, you know, you want to go out and uh, give them a hand. 
usually gets cachers from the local area to come out and help, and they introduce geocaching to the, the folks in the city of Dieppe. Uh, I think that covers all the events that are currently listed, uh, with the exception of the Race for Cash, which is the uh, 11th of August. Is that what I have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm the guy putting the event on. I can't remember the date. Um, August 11th, Race for Cash. Um, if you are going to come and you want to participate, make sure you send in a registration. Um, I know some people that are attending but not going to be uh, in a team, and that's fine. But if you are planning to race as an actual team, uh, be sure you send through a race registration because the registrations are how I track uh, for food and attendees and this year for coins. So if you're interested in a, a Race for Cash geocoin, this is our fifth year anniversary for the Race for Cash. Um, so I've got a coin I'm in the process of getting it made right now. Um, so the coins are supposed to be $10, and I think with the budget I've figured out, that's what they're going to be. So uh, just make sure you let me know. Uh, I saw uh, an email come in, actually, uh, Cable Guy. It looks like you guys, you're going to team up with uh, Hermans and Chatelaine? Yes, we are. Yep, we're... Uh, we're brainstorming for a name as we speak. Uh, right on. Right on. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to do it. And I will go on record as saying this will not be the last year for the race for cash. Woohoo! I know at the uh, I know at the event last year I said it was one of the last things I said was that um, it was going to be the last year. Um, and I said that specifically because I was trying to do something very specific for uh, for this year's race. And had I been able to do that, it would have been very, very hard to top, and it would have been a great way to go out. Um, unfortunately, due to scheduling conflicts, uh, that was not able to happen. Um, so I've decided that, you know, it, it is a popular event. It's one I, I really do enjoy, and I have some, some interesting ideas for this year. So uh, we're going to continue to keep on putting that until, until I get bored or put on a big enough an event that I can't ever top it. So... <laughs> But if you have a chance to come out in August, uh, please uh, please do. So, um, any other events or any other things going on from you guys before we uh, finish up? Not that I can think of. No, we're here. Yeah. He seems actually quiet for one. <laughs> I was going to say something about you tonight here, Ken. <laughs> I'll let you guys talk. So. Um, it's nice to be humble once in a while. <laughs> so the last thing, just in closing, um, so we're going to be recording the June podcast. will be recorded on the road like it was last year. So myself, Reverend Slippery, Ron568, and Paul and Stacy, we're doing our Father's Day raid of PEI uh, in June. And uh, just like we did last year, we recorded the podcast in Ron's car on the way back from the island. So I think we're going to do that again this year. So, uh, so you'll hear the the hum of Ron's car. You got your car. Be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you'll, you know, that's what you'll hear next year. Uh, next year, next month. And um, lastly, within the next month or so, you're going to see uh, some updates to Cash Up New Brunswick. Got some really cool stuff that are coming. Um, the integration that we have through the use of the API with GroundSpeak. So our ability to, to hit the geocaching.com database and do things like the hovers and the random cache. Um, we're working on some stuff that's pretty neat, uh, add a little bit more functionality, things that I hope people really, really like. So that should be out between July and August, but we're going to uh, hopefully talk a little bit about it next, uh, next month or, uh, or July. So keep your, uh, keep your eyes peeled. So any final words from our, uh, our guests out there? 
Happy shall, shall, I you, shall I meet you all out at Womb of the Woods in 20 minutes? Most like Critter and his wife were out there, but they didn't find it. <laughs> He'd make a tool to find it. <laughs> What's going to happen? Whoever finds it, they get like a thousand emails from people wanting to know where the cash was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, that wraps up the podcast for uh, for this month. I'd like to thank uh, Milo's Heart, Cable Guy, and Heat Tree for uh, dialing in. Hopefully this uh, hopefully this podcast comes out good. I have to do my edits and stuff, make sure it comes out the way it's supposed to. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in, guys. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And kudos to Rev and Zor for being at the forefront of promoting our sport. Yes. Well, thank you. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.